Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Fanatic. Give this video a thumbs up if you're watching me on YouTube, if you're listening to me on iTunes or any of the other podcast sites. Make sure you subscribe and share and give me five stars. I hope you guys are feeling okay. It has been a very emotional time for a lot of us. Um, So good and bad. I have some opinions on that we're going to get into. We're also going to talk about the CBA agreements um, and some of the worst tweets we have seen regarding this movement that we're seeing that sparked from the death of George Floyd. But first and foremost, we're going to get into the funeral uh, for George Floyd that happened on Tuesday. As expected, Reverend Al Sharpton spoke at that funeral. It was a He gave a very um, emotional speech, a very impactful speech, but I just want to kind of touch on one of the things that he said during that speech, because I think I think now we need to really be have an honest conversation about what the future should be for Colin Kaepernick. And I think we need to have an honest conversation about the fact that we as black people, we don't have a leader. We don't have anybody to really kind of spearhead this movement and what that means for us. So we, we're, we're seeing that I, I have been very vocal about the fact that I don't think that marching works and it hasn't worked. Um, it's working now. We're seeing here in LA, the mayor is going to remove a very small amount of funding from the police department and funnel that into black communities and initiatives that are to supposedly fight racism. Uh, in Minneapolis, the city council members intend to dis- dismantle and defund the police department there. That's actually worked in another city. Um, just to be clear, when we say defund the police department, we're talking about moving funds around, making sure everyone gets their fair share. Also, police just shouldn't clearly have demonstrated they're not um, equipped to handle certain situations. They do not go to training long enough. The average training in the United States for a police officer is three to six months, and then they get a gun and they're on the street. Um, Obviously, there's a certain amount of bias that cops have when it comes to dealing with the general public. So I think it's fair to say that we are at the point in knowing, clearly understanding that sending a police officer to each and every call is a bad idea. So that's what we mean. It's basically restructuring. Um, I know people are saying, oh, the president tweeted something about, you know, that defunding the police would make it a playground for robbers and rapists. Keep in mind, his daddy was a pimp. So maybe stand down from that thought process. But (laughs) um, that is not what we're saying at all. We're not saying we want anarchy. Um, We're just saying that the police, as they stand right now, are not working. We need to rethink it. So that's first and foremost. But I know we've seen a lot, and I know, especially us as black people, we have really kind of started to let our guard down because we see a lot of people that don't look like us that are out there marching. They're out there fighting. Their voices are just as loud, sometimes louder than ours. So it's a very touching moment in our history. It's a beautiful moment in our history and it feels like a shift. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but we need to just be realistic about this. This is not... (laughs) this is not what you think it is. This is happening because of a perfect storm. We have people who are stuck at home who had no choice but to look at and understand the idiocracy that's coming from the White House. Um, We have a stay-at-home order. We have George Floyd. 
This is a perfect storm where people are trapped in their homes and they need to feel like they are a part of something and that their voice is heard. This is what's happening now. This is not a pendulum swing. This is a stay at home swing. And I just want us as black people to understand that we're going to have to pick up this movement once people start going back to work and their mindsets kind of shift back to where they were. I understand what people are saying. Oh, that's not going to happen. We had Eric Garner. They were perfectly fine to sit at home and not march. We had a 12-year-old boy in Tamir Rice be shot within seconds with a toy gun. They were perfectly fine to sit at home and be silent. Rodney King, perfectly fine to sit at home and be silent. Hashtag after hashtag, there was no movement. There was no loud voices other than our own. A few scattered here and there. But for the most part, it was just us. This is not a full-on nationwide, worldwide enlightenment. This is a perfect storm of situations that have put this topic on the forefront. When we get back to some sort of normalcy, it's going to fall right back on us. Trust me when I tell you they're going to delay the trial of uh, the, the men that murdered George Floyd until after November, after the election. The men that murdered Breonna Taylor will probably never come to justice. They will be a civil suit, I'm sure, and then that will be paid out. Meanwhile, her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, will probably serve some time. This is all just going to be delayed until we can get out our emotions in November, and then I'm telling you, it is going to be back to business as usual. We need to be prepared for that, and we need to find some sort of leadership. Al Sharpton is not it. I love the man, but he is not it. He kind of went on this long soliloquy saying some similar things as to what I'm saying, but he also said that he thinks the NFL, who is now making some fake apologies, I think we all know it's fake. Poor Roger Godell just looks so sad and pathetic on his video apology where he didn't even call out Colin Kaepernick by name. He said that he thinks the NFL should give Colin Kaepernick his job back. I'm going to say emphatically that I no longer believe that to be true. I don't think you give 32-year-old Colin Kaepernick, who's three years removed from the league, a quarterback position at this point. I think also his movement is bigger than his athleticism. If the NFL wants to fi fire him, if they, they already fired him. If they want to hire him as a consultant um, so they can really truly modify their racist practices and the fact that black people cannot be hired and kept and retain head coaching positions, GM positions, president positions. Okay, if you want to have him in that position to make you less racist when you have the majority of rate, well, 31 <laughs> white racist owners, 32 in total do not like black people, but 31, <laughs> 31 for sure are old racist white men. If you want to have him kind of try to change their minds, I am for that. If you want to help him get him to help the NFL figure out where to gear their funds instead of just throwing them out there willy-nilly, I'm all for that. But um, if he were to get a quarterback position right now and he failed, then people would say, oh, see, and that's not the case. I would probably fail at things that I haven't done for an extensive period of time. So that's not the thing. I also think that we've been kind of sold short on leadership. As much as I love Colin Kaepernick and as much as I am thankful for his attempt to try to raise awareness to prevent this very thing that we're seeing right now, 
Um, he's not a leader because a leader has to be vocal. A leader has to tell you his plan. And aside from Nessa <laughs> raising all kind of hell, when anyone comes against Colin Kaepernick, we haven't heard that from him. Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson have long since not been leaders in our community. We can't call Mr. Farrakhan a leader in the community. Sean King, while I see why some of us follow him, he has too many too many suspect things going on around him for him to be a true leader. And he keeps us well informed though. So I don't, I don't want to call him out. He keeps us well informed, but as far as solid action plans that people can get behind without conspiracy theories, Sean King hasn't presented that. So I think we definitely need a true leader who has a background in politics, who maybe is a council member somewhere. Um, we need something like that, but we 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 are in this weird time. We have church leaders who are jumping on this bandwagon, but you can go in any black community and you'll see a beautiful church and you'll see liquor stores and fried food restaurants all around it and a community that is financially um financially educationally suffering. So the church isn't doing what they're supposed to do. Our leaders aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Who are we looking to, because I'm telling you, if we keep looking to Democrats and Kente cloths, if we keep looking towards politicians who have proven that they really don't care about us, we're going to be in a situation. So my point is, who is our leader? Who is going to rise up amongst us and be the leader? Or do we have a bunch of pockets where we have a lot of leaders that come together at some time? I don't have the answer to that. I think it is more of the little pockets that need to communicate and we all need to form a collective plan. I think the days of having a Malcolm and a Martin are behind us. So I think we need to just be a little bit more organized. We need to lead with clarity. We need to lead with these are the things we want. We can't just say defund police and not have a plan as to what that looks like. We can't say we want our communities to be cared for and we don't have a plan as to what that looks like because technically gentrification changes your community for the better. So we have to be very clear and concise as to what we're saying about that. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna be talking about one of the ways that I think Colin Kaepernick could actually be vital to the NFL. We're also gonna be talking about some of the worst tweets we've seen with regard to this George Floyd situation and my unpopular opinion, so stay with us. We always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that captured the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? There were no more humble beginnings. Welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Fanatic. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you use, make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, share away. And I have an announcement coming up in the coming weeks. I will have a new platform. I'm excited about that. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But right now, 
let's get into where I think Colin Kaepernick could really be vital. He could be vital to a lot in a lot of ways to the NFL, but specifically, I think, <laughs> and although it might be a little late now because now we're not even going to be revisiting the CBA agreement until 2030, but I think he could have been vital had he his voice been heard a little earlier. Um, I've talked at length about how I didn't think that the CBA agreement was actually a good agreement. So some of the things I don't like about the CBA agreement are coming down the line. For example, the 17 games in the season, that's not happening until 2021. But the playoffs are already shifting. So it's going to move from a 12 to 14 team playoff situation. Um, I have pluses and minuses about that. The biggest thing that I had a problem with was the marijuana and the way that it was presented. People thought that, oh, now the league is not going to really come down on us for marijuana. That is not the case rewind, go check some of the other podcasts that I've done about that. But I'm not a big fan of the CBA agreement that the NFL currently has in place. One of the things I didn't really understand to be problematic, although there is going to be more revenue sharing and for the younger kids that come into the league, they're going to get a little bit more money off top. Um, but they're not going to really have a true way to leverage out of their rookie contract. So uh, we are seeing this now with Dalvin Cook. He's entering his contract year. Um, and the rumblings are that he was going to hold out. However, if he does that now, because the collective bargaining agreement went into effect, this portion of it went into effect in March, he would be shooting himself in the foot if he decided to hold out. So under the old collective bargaining agreement, if he held out, we've seen this time and time again. Michael Thomas with my Saints did it. Zeke did it. You kind of just hold out. You don't report to training camp and you threaten to even hold out some games. Um, I remember when Emmett Smith did that. We've, we've seen people even not play preseason and maybe one or two regular season games because they're holding out to get a better contract. Not uncommon. It's the only real leverage that they have makes sense. But under the new collective bargaining agreement, can't really do that because if you do that, it's going to be detrimental to you in the long run. So, for example, Dalvin Cook, if he decides to hold out and doesn't show up to the next mandatory uh, practice or the next mandatory event that they have, or if he doesn't show up for any significant amount of time, he would not accrue his fourth season time, which means he... Basically, it's like if you don't show up for work, you don't get counted for work. So then he wouldn't be able to become an unrestricted free agent at the end of his contract. He would be a restricted free agent, which means the Vikings could give him somewhere between four and $5 million and not even franchise tag him, which would be double that. So he would be shooting himself in the foot if he doesn't show up to practice, which basically gives the owners no real reason to negotiate a higher pay for you before the end of your contract, which I see this from both sides. I really don't want to entertain contract talks with you until the end of your contract. Dak has done this. We saw that he just played through his rookie contract. No problem. Um, it didn't end the way that he wanted it to end, but it did put him in a position 
where he at least looked better to owners, I guess. I mean, because now he played through his contract. It is a contract. So technically you should fulfill that contract before you start to renegotiate a new one. I do understand the owner's position on that. However, with the league being the sport that it is and injuries can happen, I definitely lean towards the sides of the players who want to get that guaranteed money sooner rather than later because you don't want to you don't want to risk it. So I get it. But I think when you're when you're trying to appease both sides, there there should have been a better negotiation tactic. Again, the league is predominantly black, so and and we're talking about kids that overwhelmingly are coming from nothing as far as as finances go. So either they y'all need to get a dope agent to really negotiate these contracts going in, or you're kind of stuck, which sucks, you know, but it is what it is. I'm not a big fan of that. I feel like Colin Kaepernick and his understanding of what this means, especially for these young black kids who are coming from nothing to get a whole lot of something very, very quickly. There needs to be things in place too to help them navigate how to maintain their money. So I think Colin Kaepernick could be vital in those types of negotiations. Again, I said I think he could be vital in trying to help steer away. Either way, and I know I've said this time and time again, and I know people have shot it down. But trust me when I tell you, nothing is going to change in the NFL because we don't have a voice in the NFL. All those players, unless you guys stick together, and the reason why they won't is because, like I said, they've come from nothing. The thought of their money being taken from them is going to shut down any thoughts of them unifying. The only way that that changes is if we have ownership. So I'm telling you, what need the NFL needs to do is two expansion teams. Both of those need to be black owned. That is the only way the NFL will change. You can't expect it to change when we don't even have a seat at the table. They have built the table so we can't even get to it. How do you stop it? Stop it right now. <laughs> no. Um, all right, but let's get into really quickly some of the worst tweets. Um, first and foremost, I wanted to get into the one from um, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods basically should have said less. Tiger Woods hasn't been down for the black people since the 90s. So he literally could have said nothing and we would have been fine. His his tweet basically says that he's always had the utmost respect for law enforcement. They train so diligently to understand how, when, and where to use force. Not factual. <laughs> so if you are going to have a blue check mark by, by your name, I'm gonna need you to really know you know what is going on. This next tweet comes from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and it says, the Dallas Cowboys began conversation about social injustice two years ago, and they continue to be ongoing. The recent killing of George Floyd and others illuminates the importance of continuing these efforts. The Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, one of the most, stop it, stop it. I'm not even going to give that one anymore than I need to. The next one comes from the New England pa Patriots. Says over the next 10 months, the Kraft family is pledging $1 million in $100,000 monthly donations to local grassroots organizations chosen in collaboration with the Patriots players that are fighting for equity, working to end systemic racism and creating meaningful change in our community. This one was difficult because Robert Kraft has proven with the way that he kind of intervened in the Meek Mill situation, he's proven that he's kind of down, but he also just drafted a racist kicker. So who has an alt-right tattoo blatantly on his arm parading around everywhere. So 
Ah, this is another one of those times where I feel like saying less would have been fantastic. Um, the leader of the free world, uh, 45, he tweeted, he retweeted this tweet from Matt Schlapp. Uh, he says, I will never buy another NFL ticket until they go back to playing football and stop dividing America. Trump also tweeted, Democrats and activists called to defund police departments. They've gone so far left that they are eating their young. <laughs> can't with this man. I, I, I simply cannot with him. He is too much. But before I get out of here, I just want to get into my unpopular opinion, which is for the NFL. I have been extremely critical of the NFL since they, uh, since Colin Kaepernick started his protest and black players in the NFL left him out dangling in the wind with little to no support. I can probably count on one hand how many other NFL, black NFL players supported him. So I am calling on you guys. The onus is going to be on you. Like I said, this pendulum will shift back, namely when you start playing, namely when we can go to the movies, namely when people go back to work and all of a sudden they don't have this movement to get behind. It will shift back when it does. You let us down before. You need to step up and do better when it shifts back. You need to remind not only the world, not only the NFL owners, but black people, you need to show us that we have strength in numbers and that we are stronger together. When this pendulum swings back and it happens in one of your cities, I fully expect you as a team to not play that Sunday. The next time we go back to hashtags, because we will, don't play. If it happens in New Orleans, especially with Drew Brees doubling down on the fact that he is more concerned about a song and a flag that were created when we were three-fifths of a person and property, technically, constitutionally speaking, we are still three-fifths of a person, but that's another story for another day. I need you to shut it down. No games on the Sunday. Not one game in that city should be played until the police officers who committed that murder are brought to justice. You let us down before. Do not let us down again. You literally owe us. You owe us better than what you gave us. You owe us an example, especially these young kids are looking up to you. And I get it. Not all of you want to be role models. Tough titty. That's where you at. You're in the limelight. You need to be a role model. You owe us better than what you gave us. One more thing. <laughs> I have to I have to tell tell black people one more thing. Melinda Gates, um, who is obviously the wife of Bill Gates, has come out with this whole seemingly I, I'm so moved and touched by what's going on with George Floyd that we have to take action. Again, where were you when? Nonetheless, one of her actions says that when the vaccine comes out, the first people who should get it are our medical professionals and then black people. I need you guys, especially if you're black to treat this vaccine the way you treat iPhones. Don't get the first round. Wait until the updates come out because there's no way if a vaccine comes out this year, next year, that it has been tested properly. There's no way they're going to know the long-term effects of that vaccine. The fact that we have heard time and time again that they want to push this on the black community first and foremost should be the biggest and only red flag you need, especially in this country. Let's not forget Tuskegee. Let's not forget Flint. Let's not forget there are still things in your child's vaccination, which we 
know scientifically are detrimental to black people, but yet those vaccines are required. This is not going to be a situation where they are coming for us to help us. They're coming for us, but it's not to help us. I would veer you, I would gear you to stay away from any of those vaccines, especially when the reason why we are dying disproportionately because of the coronavirus really isn't because of the coronavirus, it's because of pre-existing health conditions. We need to take on plant-based diets. I am not vegan. It's too hard. <laughs> I can't do it. But I do have pretty much a vegetarian lifestyle. We are dying because we have hypertension, um, heart disease, diabetes. These are pre-existing conditions that we have that's solely based on our eating habits. I get it. A lot of us, especially in the inner city, we are in food deserts. We're getting good, healthy food is a problem, but we need to figure out a way to rectify that problem before we start taking their vaccine. It's not meant for us. It is not It is not the savior. Stop really depending on the government that has all of a sudden decided, hey, Black Lives Matter, when just a, a year ago they said Black Lives Matter was a terrorist group. Please do not fall victim to this propaganda that is coming from our political leaders. It is just that, it is propaganda. It is not meant to better you. It is about appeasing you and placating you until November. And then it's back to business as usual. Treat this like the iPhone, let it have three, four, five versions before you even consider taking this vaccine. Please and thank you. I'm definitely looking out for you, myself, everyone else I know who is black. Please take heed. If you don't listen to anything else I've ever said, please listen to that. I don't wanna hear five years from now, if you took the COVID-19 vaccination and you're half your family is now dead, please call to get in on this class action lawsuit. Bypass the lawsuit, just don't take the vaccine, okay? All right, thank you. All right, you guys, once again, I'm Jackie Ray. Make sure you follow me on all things social media, at Fanatic. Make sure you check me out every weekday morning on The Fumble Live. Just go to YouTube, look up The Fumble, and you'll find our live show. Check me out on The Opposite Reaction with Nick Hamilton every week. I'm gonna be here and there everywhere, so if you follow me on social media, you'll get all the latest. And don't forget to stay tuned for this new announcement about where you can find At The Half in the future. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 